Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. This show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. Welcome to episode 73 of Musically Challenge. You're helping here. <laughs> Let's try that again. Welcome to episode 73 of Musically Challenge. You're heaping helping of music, trivia, and whatever else we want to talk about this week. I'm your host, Lou Schwalbach, and along with me is, as always, Chad Knight. Hello, and uh, I gotta say, Lou, that early morning sexy voice is something. You know, it's it's <laughs> when I go straight into work after that, it's just like, who is this person? And of course, it kind of just changes. So I've got a quick quiz for you. Uh-oh. This isn't, a, this isn't a graded trivia question. So, Unless I get it right, then I say we should grade it. <laughs> nice. What do uranium, tungsten, and megadeth have in common? Uranium, tungsten, and megadeth? Mm-hmm. They're all radioactive? No, they're all metal. Uh, <laughs> I mean, tungsten I don't think is radioactive because if it were so, my, my hand would have fallen off by now. Oh, yeah, good point. Because <laughs> that's what my ring is made of. For some reason, I was thinking plutonium. Yeah, hit my ring hard enough, the whole building blows up. That'd be pretty terrifying, actually. So, metals are compounds, elements, and alloys that are useful in pretty much damn every possible application ever. I mean, they are in the pens that we're using. They're in the cabling that we're transmitting our stuff through. And, you know, if it wasn't really for metal... Copper, baby. Yeah. If it weren't for metal, modern life would not be what it is today. You know, microprocessors, skyscrapers, and everything in between. You know, this podcast wouldn't be if it weren't for metal. That's true. So this week we're going to be talking about songs that have metal or some form of metal in their title or even just the word metal itself. There's going to be no genre restrictions or artist restrictions, although I'm pretty sure I know you know that we're going to do at least one heavy metal song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's time to get your heat shields and smelting gear ready while we get this show started. Started. Stoted? Stoted. Stoted! Stoted. I'm, I'm just going south. Going <laughs> south and make some dicks and not stoted. <laughs> Oh, man, so how you been? Pretty good, pretty good. It's a nice day today, and looking forward to the rest of the weekend. Yeah, me too. It's I actually have nothing going on at work. It's a crazy weekend in my personal life, mm. but it's kind of nice that I don't have to juggle work into that this weekend. It's nice to get a break, considering you're always running your ass all yeah, over the place. exactly. All right, but, so should we just go ahead and get, unless you have something else to add, do you want to get liquored up? Yeah, I do. All right. I would, so, I would enjoy that much. So this week I brought, and this is by Oso's, which is a Plover Brewing Company. It's called the Big O. Wait, Plover, Wisconsin? Yeah, I know, right? There's more than just point up here. Wow. And it's it's called the Big O. And I'm gonna I I told Chad beforehand, back when we did our sex episode, I wanted this one to be the sex episode, but due to medication, I couldn't have this. That's so now right. we're going to have it a big O this time. The bottle itself says it's a 2015 gold medal winner, American-style wheat beer with yeast, Great American Beer Festival, which means dick to me. The it's bo- one of the big ones, so, I mean, it's 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 a well-earned medal. All right. So the bottle itself says zippy, crisp, tangy, luminous, subtle, unique, sunny, and jubilant. 
How can a beer be sunny? I don't know. How is the beer luminous? If it glowed, it'd be cool as shit. Ooh, let's look. <laughs> so nope. it just says, join the fight against boring beer at osobrewing.com. Brewed and bottled, blah, blah, blah. Discover the art of freestyle brewing. That's great. That sounds to me like, let's throw shit in a pot and see what happens. You know, and they may very well have. I mean, I don't know what goes now, on there. I have not had this beer from Oso, but I have drank some of their beers, and it's been kind of hit or miss for me. Well, let's see if this one's a hit or miss. <laughs> All right. So, it doesn't say what the percentage is, which means it's probably probably between 5 and 7. Yeah, I would think so. So, you want to give it a run? Let's do it. All right. Now, when I smelled this, when we opened them, I thought it would be really bitter. It's actually pretty smooth. It's pretty smooth, but there isn't much of a flavor to it. No, I don't get the... I don't get zippy. It's not really so much sunny or crisp. I was I was kind of thinking that with, you know, the words they have on here, like tangy and zippy, that there would be some sort of a hot bite on it. Or something to make it stand out. Yeah, but this is just pretty... This is not unique. In fact, this one, the one word I can see on this bottle that I would agree with is subtle. Yeah. Yeah. I don't hate it. I don't hate it, no, but let's go ahead and uh, give it our give it our judging. I'm going to say bar. I'm going with a bar as well. I wouldn't turn it down if somebody handed it to me, but at the same time, I don't think I'll be buying this. No, and that's why I'm glad I only got a two-pack. Yeah. So, all right, so that is good, and we're going to go ahead and move on to our trivia, and keep in mind we are doing metal. So, Yay. this one you should already know the answer to, because we've talked about this many times in the past. Oh, goody. What three bands are considered the pioneers of heavy metal music? All right, the Unholy Trinity. Now I just got to remember which all three of them are. <laughs> so, who is considered the Unholy Trinity? Yeah. And let's see. So you are currently 24 and 22, and let's see if that changes. All right. All right, so now I think it's your turn to start first, so why don't you go ahead and let me know what you're thinking about number one. Well, I'm going to do a song that is anything but metal in, except in title. It's called Gold by Prince and the New Power Generation. So Gold is a song by Prince, his stage name at the time being an unpronounceable symbol from his 1995 album, The Gold Experience. Oh, this was the artist formerly known as? Yeah, this was during the, the symbol time. I just remember that first happening, and my I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? But he did it for legal reasons, really. He did it to get out of his contract with Warner Brothers. Oh, it was a big middle finger, yeah, and that's why he made his little weird symbol into a guitar and so yeah, on. Yeah, but... and, and I mean, his first album after he did that change was called Slave. Which was a I big re I remember. Which was a big slap in the face of Warner Brothers. But anyway, obviously proud of the song, Prince touted it was the next Purple Rain to reporters before the album's release. The B side was Rock and Roll is Alive and It Lives in Minneapolis, a response to the song Rock and Roll is Dead by Lenny Kravitz. The song complements the rock based gold and features rousing guitar solos and live drumming as well as various studio tricks throughout the track. The chorus is sample recorded from a live audience. Prince would later use the technique on several songs for, for the New Power Generation release, New Power Soul. Prince also made a special remix of the song called the Tony Fly Mix to be played on the local Minneapolis DJ's radio program. The remix remains unreleased. Let's go ahead and take a listen to Gold. Everybody wants to sell, it's already been sold. Everybody wants to tell, it's already been Money if you ain't gonna break the mold Even at the center of fire There is calm All that glitters Ain't gonna 
So this is a song about how everything isn't what it seems. What's the use of money if you ain't gonna break the mold? It's a fun song in my opinion. It is, however, not the next Purple Rain. Not a bad song. It is a song with a good message. What do you think, Lou? What did you think of it? I think, I, before you even say anything, I'm pretty sure you hated this song. I didn't hate the song. Oh, okay. Now, it's Prince. What else is there to say? Everyone seems to love him and all of his, all slash most of his material. I'm a greatest hits fan of Prince, as we've already talked about, and it wouldn't make this onto my greatest hits list. It's not a terrible song. It just wouldn't make it on a greatest hits for me. The song is kind of forgettable and it's really kind of basic. It is. Nothing just, nothing really stands out. I can't deny he's done some great stuff musically. It's just, this isn't one of those. It was a whole play on the whole, you know, everything that glitters is in gold. Right. I mean, that's what the song is. Which Zeppelin did that way better back in the day. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, no, it's just, I mean, you might, I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a hater. It's just, eh. Okay, fair enough. So, let's get your first metal song. What My first metal century. I'm also going to be going with the little AU, and that's Golden Country by Ario Speedwagon. All right. Now, Ario Speedwagon, American rock band, formed in 1967 by Neil Doty and Alan Gratzer. They recruited, recruited a few more gentlemen and dubbed themselves Ario Speedwagon, named after a flatbed truck that Doty studied in a transportation class. However, the legend goes that it might have been a fire truck. Okay. But they signed with Epic in 1971, released their debut album, 1971, self-titled Ario Speedwagon, that didn't really do anything. After the release, Terry Luttrell left the band, and was mo- and the most known voice of the band, Kevin Cronin, was brought in. Due to tensions of the band, his tenure was short, one album, but then he came back permanently in 76 after his predecessor, Greg X. Voles, left to become a born-again Christian. Fuck this music stuff, I'm going to be a god person. Hey, everybody has their own path in life, man. You know, if they got a calling, who knows? Maybe you'll do Christian music. Yeah. Because Christian rock's actually a significant thing nowadays. It, it really is. And they'll play it all at Pizza Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> so in the early 80s, they switched from their standard hard rock to a more pop radio-friendly that brought a mainstream success while they released multiple charting albums. The 90s brought a downturn in popularity for the band, and internal turmoil left a lot of turnover, touring, and a few albums that didn't chart as high as the label wanted. They went through a few label changes, Epic dropped them, Priority Rhythm, Safari went bankrupt, and Castle Records had financial woes. Good choices for albums, or for record companies. Sounds like it. They started releasing their own material on their own name. They continued touring along with classic bands such as Styx and 38 Special. Ario Speedwagon has released 16 albums that have spawned 34 singles. Golden Country is a single off of 1972's REO slash TWO, which is the first album that had Kevin Cronin on lead. Let's go ahead and take a trip to Golden Country. Now, this, Ooh, how about Golden Corral instead? Yeah, if we had one anywhere nearby. Yeah, I know. The closest one's two hours away. Really? Now. Yeah. Where is that at? Green Bay. Oh, really? Well, if I'm going to Green, Green Bay, there's plenty of other places in Green Bay we could eat at, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sorry, Famous Dave's, if I'm going to Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Famous Dave's is okay. Uh, if you want some good barbecue. It's all right, barbecue. So, in any respect... The song is straight-up social commentary. It was written seemingly about the U.S. and how the country doesn't take care of what it needs to be done and how they look all perfect on the outside, but rough if you look inside. 
The first verse of this song exemplifies this. Golden country, your face is so red, with all your money your poor can be fed. You strut around and flirt with disaster, never caring about what comes after. I mean, it's it's straightforward. There's, oh, yeah. there's no symbolism at all. If you really listen to the lyrics, it's really powerful. However, most people just listen for the rock, and it's a pretty slick guitar solo during the song. Personally, I think it's a one of the lesser-known but underrated ARIO songs. Um, I really like this one. And I'm sure you already know this because you grew up in the area also. Sean Cronin, our local weather guy and apparently politician, is his brother. Yes. Yeah. And apparently it's kind of like on the movie Twins where like you got like a really skinny guy and then you got the bigger guy. Apparently everything went to Sean because Sean is not a skinny guy. No, no. They had, so, to, they had to zoom out on TV for him. <laughs> now, I didn't recognize the song until I heard it. Now, I've seen REO in concert twice. Once at the beginning of a tour and they were it was an amazing show. And then I saw them once at the end of a tour, and it was one of the hardest concerts I've ever had to sit through. They were tired. Well, I get that, but it's just, you know, it's that, it depends on when you catch them. So I have to ask, because I've seen him in concert too. In fact, I saw him, um, or them, I should say, with Ted and Rat at a summer fest down in Des Moines. And Kevin Cronin told stories like a motherfucker. Honestly, I mean, he would tell probably about a 10-minute story between every song, yep. either to catch his breath or whatever. I'm like... I want to hear the songs. I don't give a shit about your life. Sorry, not to be a dick about it, but shut up and See, sing. See, I don't mind the stories as long as we get the music. But not that ex- not that excessive. A little quip here and there is fine, but between every song telling a story, if I wanted that, I'd watch Storytellers. Okay, fair enough. Now, I do remember hearing this song live, and the guitar work by Gary Rickrath is quite amazing. REO has always been one of those bands that I like, but I never really got into. There is a local connection, like you said, with Wassa. Never met the guy. Never met Kevin Cronin. But I, my daughter did take guitar lessons from a guy who used to play in a band with Kevin back in the day in Wassa. Huh. So that was kind of neat. He had some stories. But, you know, it's always kind of cool when there's a, that type of a loose connection to someone famous. You know, the seven degrees of separation theory. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That said, it's an amazing song, and it's even better guitar work. And like I've said, I don't know how many times on this podcast... Guitar work does it for you. Guitar work gets me every time. So I'm guessing that means you're a pretty area... You'd be a significant Satriani or uh, oh, yeah. or Vi fan. Uh, Vi, Satriani... God, why am I blanking his name right now, though? But Carlos Santana. Okay. You know, oh, God. Uh, Esteban? He did a lot of classical guitar stuff, a little bit more of a Hispanic, but... I, I don't know him and, name, him and Santana actually worked a lot. You know, and honestly, one of my favorite guitar players, and I think he's underrated in a lot of cases, is Richie Sambora. Okay. Well, he's overshadowed by the voice. Right. By, I mean, the, by, the, by the guy standing out front. I right, get that. Right, exactly. But Sambora always has done guitar work that just sounds... Sometimes it almost sounds like it's impossible. It's like, how do you hit those two notes at the same... You know... How big is your hand that you can reach those two chords? Right, right. Yeah. So, but anyway, let's move on. My next song has is nothing about guitars. Silver Ghost by Merle Haggard. Now, there isn't much out there on this story song. It was on Merle's 1976 album, My Love Affair with Trains. So let's first take a listen to it, and then I'll talk about it. And every now and then you'll hear a whistle on the wind If the mountain slides and many men are lost High and lonely wailing, searching up and down the mountain. It's the train they call the Minus Silver Ghost. So this song is about a ghost train. That is, seen when a mining accident happens at a mine. 
The story goes that 50 years before, a train was on its way to the site of a cave-in, and when it made it to the top of the mountain, before it started to descend on the tracks, it missed a curve and went off the mountain. Now, whenever a tragedy happens, it comes back around on its mission. It's one of those songs, it's a story song, you know, and I really enjoy story songs, and Merle Haggard was not known for story songs. No, not really. So this was kind of a, something different for him. It's a really neat story in and of itself. It's about a, a switchman sitting in his little switch house, and he, the telegraph jumps into life, and it tells him that there's this runaway train, you know, and he sees it coming up the mountain, and he said the... Uh, the engine was so hot it was glowing red like the fires of hell, you know, coming straight for him. And he's like, he watched it go by him. And when it reached the top of the mountain, it just disappears, goes upon its way, you know. But what it really overshadows is the fact that they are actually talking about a mining accident that happened that, you know, there's several people caught underground in this, in this mine that went down in this rain. So whether it was a, a landslide or what it was. They don't ever really get to it. It's, it's it's really about the train and not so much the fact that there's a, a tragedy that happened. Right, right. So what are your thoughts on this one? You know, and this it's a folksy song that I've never heard before. I'd never heard of the name. I mean, I know who Merle Haggard is, but I just didn't know this song. It's a supernatural ghost train. I, I kind of dig it, actually. I'm really kinda, I kind of enjoyed it when I was listening to it. It could be partially because of the song, and it could be because I really like trains. Or both. Or both, right. But, no, it's a decent song. I enjoyed it. I really don't have a whole heck of a lot to say about it, but it's a, it's a good story song. I recommend if you're into story songs, go find it. I really enjoyed it. But, anyway, what do you got next, man? We're going to go We're gonna go a lot more metal. Okay. Uh, we're going to go with Iron Head by Rob Zombie. Okay. Kind of pretty much the polar opposite of what you just talked about. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so, Robert Bartley Cummings, which is better known as Rob Zombie. Oh, by the way, the song is Iron Head with Rob Zombie featuring Ozzy. So, I mean, yeah. Hello. Right. So... Zombie's been doing stuff between White Zombie and, and then solo work with like Hellbilly Deluxe and things like that since Hellbilly Deluxe was such a great album. Oh, it was. I got their great the greatest hits. I think it's like Past, Present, and Future. Okay. Two disc set. Such a good because it's got White Zombie stuff and current stuff on it. Oh, you may need to hook me up with that. And that is such a great set. But in any respect, he's he's released six albums that have spawned twenty two singles. And Iron Head is off of two thousand one Sinister Urge which I know they pro- they push a lot on WWF because of the Never Gonna Stop Me song. Right. And that, I think, was, was associated with Edge for a while, I think. Yes, it was It was kind of worked in with his, his standard... Uh, like going crazy. And yeah. Before he turned Rated R. Right. It was after Edge and Christian, but before Rated R. Yeah, yeah. Sinister Urge wasn't one of my more favorite albums, but it was still good, and it gave us this particular song. Iron Head, let's see here. It was also it was also released on the soundtrack for the Scorpion King, that spinoff of the Mummy franchise. Yes. Which I think had The Rock and terrible CGI effort. It did, and other than the CGI, it was actually a pretty decent movie. It's what I had heard. I haven't actually seen it. In fact, I've only seen the first Mummy movie. I haven't seen the second one. Oh, the, the Mummy's franchise is pretty good. I enjoyed it. I mean, I liked Brendan Fraser. I mean, I think he's a good action person. I mean, he's let himself go. Well, he's old now, too. I mean, he, he, he went a long way from being George the Jungle. We'll put it that way. <laughs> well, let's just go ahead and take a quick listen to Iron Head. So 
So this song is just a solid metal rock song that has two icons involved with it. It's got no real meaning, and it's classic zombie feel and growl. Zombies thought in the collaboration. I thought that somehow the song didn't seem special enough. Somehow I thought the song wasn't as good as it should be, and I had been talking to Ozzy a lot and working on stuff for the tour, and someone was like, why don't you just get Ozzy to fucking do it? I was like, duh, sometimes you just don't think of the obvious ideas. <laughs> it's pretty funny if you think about it. It's like you're working with the guy, it's like your solution is right in front of you, but it's so obvious you don't even think about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this one just works. I mean, I really enjoy I'm, I enjoy this song. I'm disappointed I didn't find it sooner, but I really, really like this one I was, when I found it. Yeah, I, I say, you know, Ozzy and Rob Zombie. More please. Ozzy's vocal with zombies rapping or whatever you want to call it in the song. It's not really singing. It's more of a gravelly talking through almost rap thing he's doing. The song works very well together with their voices. I never knew the two of them collaborated. It, it definitely makes sense, though. You know, the Prince of Darkness and Darkness itself. Now I need to see if they have done anything else together. I don't know if they have. Do you know? I don't know. I mean, obviously, Zombie has been part of, like, OzFest a lot. Right. And Rockfest and things. So they've, they've toured together. I just don't know if they've done collaborations. Yeah. So the music itself is more Zombie than Ozzy. And I dig it. A real headbanger that both artists are known for. Just let me... Can I just go listen to it again? Sure. Absolutely. I just want to go listen to it again. So that's really all I have to say about it. I mean, it's a great one. I'm glad you found it because now I've found it. All right. And uh, it definitely is going to make it into my rotation of play. Fantastic. And this is what the show is about, is finding new music. Yeah, absolutely. Expanding our boundaries. Exactly. Even if it's a boundary that we already knew that we liked, but new songs. Right, yeah. All right, so what do you got for number, what is this, five? five? Sure, five sounds good. I got Gold by Owl City. So, after working mostly by himself on the previous Owl City outings, Adam Young teamed up this time with the trio of Josh Crosby, Nate Campaney, and Dr. Luke's engineer, Emily Wright on this reminder to never forget your roots. I feel that as an artist, you should never really look back or repeat yourself, Young told Billboard magazine. This was sort of taking a flying leap on that way. I was a little bit scared at first because of all the co-writing and allowing other people to co-pilot this project, but listening back as I live with it, I'm really excited about it. This was really fun to be able to bounce ideas off of somebody else, and there was always this great magic in the room when there was somebody else right there with you to work on things. So let's go ahead and shade our eyes from the bling of the gold. Cause what you got is Now, this song is just about knowing what you're doing is good and right. Gold, even. Whether it's your newest album, your newest podcast, or your newest project at work, make it gold. Let's do it, Lou. Let's make it gold. Sure. So what are your thoughts on this one? You know, I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i got pros and cons. Okay. So the pro for me is that it has a good beat and good lyrics. I mean, it's, good, it's a good message. Mm-hmm. The con is that it's seeming that most of All City's stuff is really starting to blend and blur together. It's sounding very a lot alike. I mean, I understand that's the kind of stuff that you're working on. Kind of like um, if you listen to guitar work, you can tell if it's Kiss. If it's guitar work, you can tell if it's Van Halen. Um, when Van Halen worked uh, with some of Kiss's guitars, you could definitely tell who's, who's 
goods they were working with. Right. Which is kind of interesting. I don't know if you've ever heard any of that stuff. No, but... Because apparently they were hanging out with Kiss or whatever, and Eddie started using Kiss's, like, amps and guitars and everything, and it had the Kiss growl with Eddie's playing style. Oh, nice. It's very confusing, actually. But you can tell. You know, and this is one of those things because I don't think it has the same staying power that Fireflies does. It's not bad. It just... It just doesn't really do it for me. And it start like I said, they're all starting to blend together, and there's got to be something that Owl yeah. City has to do that sets them apart. He definitely does have a... A, a style. A penchant. Right. A style that he goes with. Um, and that may be because Adam Young is actually on the uh, autism scale. Um, I mean, he started out... It's one of those really weird stories. He started out making videos in his basement. You know, and it just kind of blew up into what is now Owl City. I think that was in, what, Owatonna, Minnesota, I think? Might have been. I thought it was Minnesota. I could be wrong, but I think when we talked about that before, but either way. quite possibly. Maybe it's near the biggest ball of yarn in Minnesota. Could be. Could be. So what do you got next, man? Next we're going to do Heavy Metal by Sammy Hagar. Now, Samuel Roy Hagar, better known as just Sammy, um, was born in 1947, and oh my god, are you fucking kidding me? The guy's 71 years old, and he's still rocking. He's almost as old as my dad. And we can't. And my get, dad's not rocking. And we can't get modern rock stars to put out good shit. I know. Just, but anyways, does rock really exist anymore? <sighs> not really, but in any respect, um, he created his first band when he was in high school, the famous, the fabulous Castiles, that did pretty much the same thing that all high school bands did, which was pretty much nothing. Covers, right? He went through a lot of other small groups, Samson and Hagar, Johnny Fortune Band, Big Bang, Skinny, and Manhole. Manhole. Before he was brought on to be lead vocalist with Montrose. He and uh, he and Ronnie's animosity came to a head in the 74-75 Euro Tour, so he decided to go solo. In that time, he was brought on to replace Diamond Dave and Van Halen. Internal squab- squabbling left slash fired to go solo again, forming Samba Hagar and the Waburitos. I'm sorry, I like that band name. That, that's kind of neat. Van Halen asked him back for a couple years from 03 to 05. Eddie's alcoholism and the clickiness of Eddie and Alex versus Michael, Anthony, and Sammy. Sammy and later Anthony left. And Sammy went back to the Wabos. Michael Anthony guested and, and formed Chickenfoot in 2008, which was Anthony, Chad Smith of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Joe Satriani. Super group for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, they also formed The Circle in 2014 with Michael Anthony, Wobble Guitarist Vic Johnson, and drummer Jason Bonham, uh, son of Jason Bonham of Zeppelin. Or John Bonham. Or John Bonham, that's right. He's still touring today with various bands and plays at his own club in Cabo, which I think would be fun as hell to go see. He's released 17 solo albums that have spawned 60 singles. And Heavy Metal is a song off the 1981 soundtrack for the animated film of the same name. Let's just take a listen to Take a Ride with Heavy Metal. It's a one-way ticket for me. The song was co-written by Sammy Hagar and Jim, as it Peterick or Peterick, however that's pronounced, of Survivor, describes a couple of metalheads at a rock concert. It starts off kind of metal, mellow as metalheads are kind of waiting for the band to come on stage, and then when the chorus comes on, it really just kicks it in. There's actually a few different versions of this song. The original was released on the heavy metal soundtrack, while the, in my opinion, more refined version was released on Sammy Hagar's solo album, the 1982 Standing Hampton. 
I've always liked this song even before seeing Heavy Metal. It's American anime per se, and it's definitely worth watching. Not for kids, just like most anime. And the animated feature just makes it better in my opinion. Well, you know, it's from the movie called Heavy Metal, as you covered already. And I have actually never seen the movie. It is on my list of movies to see. Now, let me address the elephant in the room. This is a Sammy Hagar song. And I have to say, it's pretty damn good. The caveat here is that this is his solo stuff. And I like a lot of that stuff. We have talked about Van Hagar in the past. And though I have come to appreciate that Van Hagar music, I still prefer Diamond Dave. This is a great heavy metal song, though it might be a bit heavy-handed. Is it really heavy metal if you have to tell me it's heavy metal? It also says it's heavy metal noise. Well, true, but it's just a thought. No, just, I understand. It's something that went through my head. And I gotta say, I was going to... There's two heavy songs called heavy metal on that soundtrack. Oh, really? There was this one, and then there was one by Don Felder, the guy who was in the Eagles. Okay. Called Heavy Metal Taking a Ride. And I was going to do both of them, but I'm like, that's kind of a cheat. So I decided not to and went with the Sammy one. Okay, fair enough. Now, we'll talk about Sammy one last time, and then from now on, we'll just kind of let it go on its way. I enjoy his solo stuff. Mm -hmm. I enjoy some of his stuff from Montrose. It's just the whole Van Hagar thing bothers me, but the more I learned of the history of Van Halen, and the more that I learned that it wasn't like Sammy coming in and taking Dave's spot, they've got some good music. You're hearing both sides of the story now, and that's changing your opinion a little. Right. I still prefer, you know, and everyone does. Roth everyone does. There's it's, it's always a camp. It's either you're the camp, you're the Van Halen camp, or the Van Hagar camp. Yeah. And you. Well, just... there's that other camp too. What is it? Uh... No, we don't speak of that. <laughs> That's a concentration camp. But I kind of go both ways when it comes to that. I like them both. I prefer Sammy's stuff though. However, classic Dave is great Dave. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on, what do you got for number seven? Yeah, sure, seven. Yeah, that'll work. So I have Queen of the Silver Dollar by Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show. Now this song from the 1972 album Sloppy Seconds, you know what, with that statement, let's just listen to it. She's the queen of the silver dollar, and she rules the smoky kingdom, and her scepter is a wine glass, and her barstool is a throne. I didn't find a whole lot out there on this song in, in in particular, or on Dr. Hook and the and the Medicine Show, for that matter. I do know that later on they renamed themselves, they were just Dr. Hook. They did work, and I found this while researching them, they did work with a songwriter that most people would not recognize as a songwriter. And I think I have that in my... Shel Silverstein. The poet. The poet. Well, amongst other things. Mm-hmm. I really like this song. It's about a bar owner. I'll call her, I guess, a bar owner. Uh, the silver dollar being her quote-unquote kingdom that she rules with a glass scepter, a wine glass scepter, and a barstool throne. It's just really a fun song. I, when I was researching songs and I saw this one, it looked a little quirky on, on YouTube, and I'm like, eh, let's give it a listen. And I really kind of liked it quite a bit. Um, but uh, little bit of, a little bit of note here. Shel Silverstein wrote a song for Johnny Cash. Do you know which one? Oh, my God. How many Cash songs has, has there been? Like oh, God. Like a billion of them? I, I couldn't even guess. A Boy Named Sue. Shut up. Was written by Shel Silverstein. You know, that makes sense if you think about it because it's a story song and that's what a lot of Shel Silverstein's poems are. As well as the follow-up song, which is sung, it's about, it's the father of A Boy Named Sue. It's a it's a follow-up. It's from the father's point of view, which obviously didn't wasn't as critically acclaimed as A Boy Named Sue. But 
I just when I was reading, I thought I saw that, and I'm like, huh. Bill George. He also wrote a song called "Fuck Kids." <laughs> I'm good. What did you think of this one? You know, and you mentioned the thing about Shel Silverstein, which I was impressed by. I mean, I've read a couple of the books. In fact, I can see one on the bookshelf now, The Light in the Attic. There's also Where the Sidewalk Ends. We have that in there somewhere as well. Which is great. Plus the Giving Tree is yep. around here somewhere. Yep. And he doesn't get the credit that he deserves for being a songwriter. And I'm sorry, he also did one on his own. Um, it was on the Dr. Demento one, the Sarah, Cynthia, Sylvia Where's... Stout would not take the garbage out. Which is either in Light in the Attic or Where the Sidewalk Ends. Either that... I think it's Sidewalk, but I'm not positive right. on that one. But the, he actually sang it or spoke it on the Dr. Demento thing. And he also did Bow Constrictor on Dr. Demento. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So let's get back to the original song, though, not the songwriter. Dr. Hook, also the guys who did it on the cover of The Rolling Stone. Yep. Which is a great song. It is. <laughs> and got them on the cover. It starts. The song starts off slow and kind of wondered what I was getting into. But then about a minute later, it kicks in. Really, it's just about a girl, and the chorus is talking about who is going to vie for her attention to take her home. Yep. So it, I don't know if she's the bar owner or if she is a uh, patron, per se. I, You know, my thoughts when I was writing this, I'm like, is she the bar owner or is she a prostitute? combination of both maybe that's what i'm thinking maybe you know i mean hey whatever the case is i wouldn't put it past silverstein for either way because he's done kid stuff and not so Ad- much kids oh stuff. yeah his adult stuff can be pretty ranked too and so no it's a decent song dr hook you can definitely tell they've got a different a special voice to them <laughs> especially that kind of wolfman jackish style guy guy that sings in the background yeah Decent song. Don't have a whole lot about it because you already talked about what I was going to. Yeah, all right. So what do you got next? Next, we have Concrete and Steel by ZZ Top. Now, we just talked about ZZ Top in our sex episode on 69, So and nothing has really changed, so no. we'll just kind of move on. Uh, let's see. As we already talked about between a trivia question and everything else, they have had one of the longest standing trilogies or trios in history. Yeah. And... They've never changed their lineup since after their first year, so that's just great. They released their debut, which was their first album, ZZ Top's first album, which is just perfect, in 71, and they just kept recording. Now, Concrete and Steel is a single off of 1990's Recycler, and no, I don't think the irony is lost. Uh, the song, like many ZZ Tops, is about a woman. It's This time, it's about someone who's just a total badass chick who's... Hard to get, but it's worth your time with her. But be wary. Once the rust sets in, she'll be as good as gone. Cool. So once she gets bored with you or you get too old, she's out the door. Yep. All right. So why don't we go ahead and take a quick listen, then we'll keep on with it. So this song kind of makes me think of like a harder rock version of Phil Collins' Easy Lover. You know, the song about the girl who's hard to get, but who will have her way with you and then leave? Yeah. Kind of covers it right there. Yeah. Now, Recycler is a criminally underrated ZZ Top album, in my opinion. It did better on the charts than Eliminator, where it peaked at number six versus Eliminator's number nine. But most people really don't know much about it, which is a shame because it's got a really good music on it, including... Double Back, which was featured and played by them in Back to Future 3. Right. So I just like this song. It's one that when we first talked about doing metal, I'm like, this is one of my first choices, actually. So okay. I liked it. So it has a definite feel of ZZ Top. Their signature guitar sound is front and center here. And I only bring that up because back on 69 when they did, what was the song? Pearl, Pearl Necklace. Necklace. It, to me, it didn't sound, it didn't have that ZZ Top sound to it. 
But this song is a pretty rockin', and I really like it. I don't have a lot to say about this one. Uh, it's a solid piece of music, and I need to go find a copy of the album Recycler. But, uh, you know, it's a good song. I really don't have much to say about it. I really enjoyed it. It was it was rocking. It was definitely ZZ Top, and it kind of made me a little happy. All right, so why don't we go ahead and say what your number nine last pick is. My last pick is Titanium by David Guetta. And I was told how to pronounce that because I said it wrong last night. And Let me it. guess, it was the younger of the two. No. Really? That no. surprises me. Yeah. So, Titanium is a song by French DJ and music producer David Guetta, featuring vocals by Australian recorded art, recording artist Sia. Taken from Guetta's fifth studio album, Nothing But The Beat, the song was written by Sia, David Guetta, Giorgio Tunafort, and Afrojack. That, I mean, if you're going to use a stage name, that's the one. But production was imagine, also... Imagine if it was just like some little tiny white guy. Yeah, right? <laughs> and now Afrojack, and it's like, hello. And, and this, this this guy dressed up like an attorney comes out, you know. But Titanium was in this... Our production was also handled by Geta, Toonfort, and Afrojack. Titanium was initially released for digital download on August 8th, 2011 as the first of four promotional singles from the album. It was later released as the album's fourth single in December 2011. The song originally featured the vocals of American recording artist Mary J. Blige, whose version of the song leaked online in July 2011. I did not know that. I did not either. Titanium is a pop song which draws from the genres of house and urban dance. The song's lyrics are about inner strength. Sia's vocals on Titanium received comparison to those by Fergie, and the song was also musically compared to Coldplay's work. Titanium attained top 10 positions in several major music markets. It peaked at, and it peaked at number one, becoming Geta's fifth number one single on the chart and Sia's first. The song's accompanying music video premiered on December 21, 2011, but did not feature appearances by Geta or Sia. Instead, the video focuses on a young boy played by actor Ryan Lee with supernatural powers. Along with other songs, Titanium was pulled from the radio stations in the U.S. after the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting. So let's go ahead and take a listen. Now, as I was doing this and I was talking to my oldest daughter, I said, why would they pull this? from airplay and i guess it has something to do with saying about being bulletproof and you can't knock me down with guns or something like that so did they do the same thing with like uh the larue song bulletproof probably i mean it said along with others but i first heard the song in the movie pitch perfect and instantly fell in love with it now i'm not much of a house dance music guy but i really like this song about inner strength and sia has an amazing vocal ability even if you can't see what she looks like. She's the artist that always covers her face when she's performing. I'll take your word for it. She, she, it was weird. But anyway, uh, not a lot to say, but listen to the song and, you know, watch Pitch Perfect. What do you think, Lou? Well, I'd agree with the watch Pitch Perfect part. Piss Perfect. Piss Perfect. <laughs> Don't miss a single drop. But, <laughs> but Nothing right. on the seat. So Sia reportedly wrote this song in 40 minutes. Okay. Good for her. Yeah. You know, good job. The song is good, but I think it would be better with better music. The overproduced dance track 
that the song was put with, I don't think really does it justice, and it doesn't work for me. Okay. So if these lyrics were put on something totally different, I think it would be even better. It's not a terrible song, and now that you mentioned being in Pitch Perfect, I'm going to have to check it because I don't remember this one. It's the shower scene where... I wasn't focusing on the music. I wasn't either the first few times. (laughs) But that's the song she's singing, but they're not singing it as a dance song. They sing it as as just a vocal... uh, You know, that could actually be a soundtrack that we do. Yeah, possibly. No, it's not a terrible song. I just, like I said, I don't care for the music. I like, I don't mind house and dance. I just think this was a little bit overproduced. Fair enough. So what are you going to wrap us up with? We're going to wrap it up with something that is just heavy metal in itself. And that is Iron Man by Black Sabbath. Okay. And I just, I did a little bit of checking here. And over 70 episodes of the show that we, we've only talked about Black Sabbath six times. And not all of them were about Ozzy. Okay. So that's just under 10%, and since we do multiple songs per show, that's actually a really small percentage. It really is, yeah. So enough nerd talk. And we're not going to go into the history because it's it's Ozzy, and it's Black Sabbath. We know the, the history, and we've talked about it. Yep. So with that here, now Iron Man is a song off of 1970's Paranoid, which is such a great album. It's got to be one of the classic Sabbath lineup albums you know it oh is, it is it's just amazing i mean there's there's not a dog on that album there really is no not, not really so having one of the most recognizable riffs in in classic music the song came from ozzy <laughs> he heard tommy iomi playing the opening riff and said it sounded like a big iron bloke walking about pretty straightforward right yeah the title became iron man and geezer butler wrote lyrics based around the title iron man is a classic metal song pun intended that is still a, just a solid song Ozzy's vocals and Iomi's guitar riffs and solo are just great to behold and almost timeless. And even though the song is about could be, isn't about the Marvel character, it was played during the Iron Man movie. Okay. And actually, Tony Stark was wearing a Black Sabbath t-shirt in the Avengers, which gave Black Sabbath a bit of a resurgence. It's an excellent song that I think we should listen to now. I don't have really anything else to say about it. I mean, this is one of my favorite Sabbath songs. It really is. I mean, Ozzy's voice is great. The video is fucked up. Psychedelic 70s craziness. Oh, yeah. But it's just, it's you know when the first bass drum just like thump, thump. It's like, oh, shit's going to go down. Yeah. Or as good old JR would say, business is about to pick up. Yeah. So, you know, I said that drum right before those heavy guitars kick in. Is there any song that has a more memorable intro? Oh, God. I mean, we could make a list. We could probably make an episode of just memorable intros. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hell, so, we might actually do that. <laughs> the vocals of Ozzy are solid, as always. I do have to ask the question, though. Double dip on the Ozman? Uh, I mean, I understand because there are... was a featured artist, but I understand. There are two great songs. Just felt the need to call you out on it. I, I know in the vein of fairness to the rules, we have on every episode. So, I was going to say defend yourself, but you really don't need to. I mean, they're both great songs. They're both... But I, I had to give you a little... Uh, That's fair ribbing, enough. You know. Oh, I understand. So it's a fabulous song, amazing vocals, and solid musical work. I mean, another song by Sabbath that is just... You know, they just hit it out of the park with this one. 
And like you said, with the whole album of Paranoid. There's a lot of artists, I mean, I can even say this about being a Van Halen and an ACDC fan. There are some of their songs that are great, but I still have to skip some songs. This is one I can play without skipping anything. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and, and with that, um, I guess trivia? It is time to come back to the trivia. So let's see if you remember what the answer is. So what three bands are considered the pioneers of heavy metal music or the unholy trinity? Well, I've got four written down here. So. <laughs> okay, so give me three of them. You tell me with each one if I'm right. Anthrax. No. Ah, Black Sabbath. That is one of them. Slayer? No. I don't know then. All right, so I know where you're going with that one, and I know what list that actually is. So the pioneers of heavy metal, the Unholy Trinity, is Zeppelin, which I don't know, they're not metal, but whatever. Okay. Sabbath and Deep Purple. Okay. Now, the ones you're thinking of are the the four of speed metal or thrash metal, which is Metallica, oh. Megadeth, Slayer, and Anthrax. There you so go. So I knew where you were going as soon as you said those two, but... So that, unfortunately, would mean a negative for you. That does. Which means you are now at 24 and 23. Still over 500, baby. You are, absolutely. And so now, what is the final thing that we're going to mention about today? Okay, listen up, everybody. Turn up your volumes. Announcement. If you like the show and you want to drop us a line or let us know what you think of this episode or any other episode, you can do that pretty easily. You can find us uh, through email at eclecticmediaproject at gmail.com or at musicchallengepodcast at gmail.com. If that doesn't work for you and you're more into the social media kind of thing, you can do that as well. Find us on Facebook at POI Network or at Musically Challenged Podcast. And, of course, if that's not enough social media for you, Lou, what else do we have? We've got the Twitter, and the Twitter is going to be at MCPodcast17. So if you want to tell it, give us some love, give us some hate, we might even start putting some polls up there. Because I know on Facebook you can do the polls. Right. I don't, can you do that on Twitter? I think so. We might have to do that. Maybe we'll put some polls on our seat and site and see if anybody's actually you're reading. The, you're the Twitter guy. Well, I'm either Twitter or Facebook. We'll have to see if we'll put a poll or something up and see, like, maybe, what do yeah. you think about blah, blah. But in any respect, love, hate, if you want to send us a playlist, 10 songs, 10 artists. If you have a theme, great. If not, no big thing. Just drop us a line. We're more than happy to hear from you, and we'll go from there. All right. And with that, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.